Liz, I don't know about you, but that last song is, that's, it's pretty deep. While I was singing it, I was like, oh, this song, this, this song, it might be for the kids, but it's actually kind of deep. It is. It really is. It's talking about treating your sorrows and your pain and your shame, and you get to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And take on his joy of your life. Yeah. It's amazing. No matter what, like, we're going through, whether it's really intense, whether it's really dark, whether it's really sad, is that we still have the power to choose what our attitude is going to be. Totally. You know, yeah. it, reminds me, it reminds me a lot of this story, one of my favorite Bible stories. I was wondering if I could tell you about it. Yeah, sure. I love to learn. Come on. All right. Well, it's in, it's in the book of Daniel. Anybody heard of the book of Daniel before? The book of yeah. Daniel. And it talks about three different friends. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Say that again. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you, can you kids pronounce that? That's hard. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nice job. And they're Abednego. like three Abednego. awesome best friends, okay? And they worked for this really powerful king called King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Can you guys say that? King Nebuchadnezzar? King Nebuchadnezzar. Never, great job, Liz. That was amazing. It's passion. King yes. passion. <laughs> and King Nebuchadnezzar, right, there's this one day where he built this huge golden statue. It was huge. Like how big? Okay, so imagine this. Imagine if you had like 15 people stand on top of each other, like all, like all the way to the ceiling and probably even higher. Like way up there. Like way up, like even probably taller than the ceiling. Whoa, it was crazy. Yeah. that's like really big. It was really big, right? And so he <laughs> built this huge golden statue. And basically he gave an announcement to everybody where he said, once you hear the music, everybody has to bow down and start worshiping this huge golden statue. But why would they do that? Exactly. And the problem was, right, is that God, he doesn't want anybody, he doesn't want us to worship anybody else besides him. Yeah. Because he's the one that's loved us. He's the one that's given us everything, just like we sang about, right? All that is good has come from God, yeah. right? He's, he's the one that made us and formed us. Why would we want to worship something that can't hear us and can't do anything for us and doesn't really love us? Mm-hmm. Right? So this kind of created a problem. So one day, right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're working, doing their thing, and they hear the music, right? The music starts going, and everybody bows down. Wow. And so these guys are faced with, faced with a choice. Of are they going to bow down like everybody else, even though they know it's wrong? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to choose to stand and be different from everybody else, even though they know it's the right thing to do? Wow. So they're facing a pretty intense situation. Have you ever faced any, any situation like that before? Hmm. You know, I can think of this one time where I can kind of relate. You know, I grew up in the church, and my parents, they had, like, all these rules for me. And, you know, there were certain things, certain music that I couldn't listen to, certain movies I couldn't watch, couldn't really go to sleepovers. And, you know, when I was really young, I felt like that's so unfair. Like, I just want to watch whatever I want to watch. And it's like, I really had to see that their convictions over time became my convictions. And so when I went to school and I would see kids that were sometimes doing things that I knew wasn't right, it wasn't always easy. But what they put in me, like, I learned that it honors God. So, you know, because I didn't listen to music that really hurt people or said really bad things, or because I didn't watch movies that were, you know, not honoring God, like, it didn't always make me the coolest kid at school. But I really felt like I honored God in the way that I acted And that he blessed me because of it. Mm. So it wasn't always easy, but I know it was the right thing to do. Yeah, you you stood up for God. Yeah, I mean, it was like I really had to find it in myself to stand up for God, Mm. even when no one else was. 
Yeah, which is so true. And some of our even river rovers are going to stand up right now. And this is exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to face. Were they going to stand up while everybody else was sitting down? Or were they going to make a choice to honor God? And the choice they made, they said, no, we're not going to bow down and worship this idol. We're going to stand and we're going to honor God. And it was crazy, right? Because they, yeah. you must imagine King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't, wasn't too stoked about it. What right? did he do? Well, he brought them in, right? And he was, and he was furious at them. And he, came, he brought them in to explain their actions. And he said, basically, you guys, I, I'm going to throw you in the blazing furnace, which is like Like fire? Like fire. Wow. He's like, I'm going to throw you guys into the fire, right? And so they come in, and they say, I love what they say, right? And it's in Daniel chapter 3. It's like verse 16 through 18, right? They say, like, but even if they say, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, like, thanks for bringing us in here. But even if God does not save us from this fire, we will not bow down and worship the images of gold that you have set up. Wow. So even though they weren't going to even get their way, even though they may not be saved, they still said, hey, I'm going to choose to honor God and stand up for God, even if I might not be saved. Wow. That's me, incredible. I love that. I know as, as kids, this is so hard to do, right? Because there's so all your friends are doing things all the time, and you, kind of, you don't want to stand out. You kind of want to be able to go with the crowd. You, you don't want to, like, look weird or awkward. But I think God is so honored, and he's so pleased, and he's so happy when she used to say, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing even when I know it's going to be really hard. I know for kids we face this, right? But even as adults, to me, this can be even harder. Yeah. And it's, I love what Jesus says when he says, you are the light of the world. Right? A city and a hill cannot be hidden. And I think even though over the last couple of weeks, I think my, I, I've woken up a couple of times just feeling a little bit like just depressed for how much is going on around the world. Yeah. Whether it's hurricanes or shootings or riots, I think I just got, I just, I woke up, my heart just kind of like just depressed and sad and down. And I realized in those times, even when everybody else might be doing something one way, or even when everybody's kind of going towards uh, a certain way, even in, on college campuses or in the workplace, that how much more is important is it for me that I stand up and be a light for Jesus? Yeah. And I think all of us in this room, I think we desperately need, as the world is getting even crazier and crazier and even more distracted, even more dark, that we need to be the ones that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to raise my hand, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to do what's right for God. And when we do that, we get to be united and get to show the world, be a beacon to the world of who God really is. And so even today, let's think about that as we pray and as we go into our worship service, of how we can just be even more of a light for God and stand up for what's right, even in the dark, dark world. But let's go ahead and pray. God, I just want to say thank you so much uh, just for creating us, God, for giving us all that is good. God, every good and perfect gift is from you. God, we get to trade our sorrows. We get to trade our pain. We get to trade the darkness in our lives. God, we get to lay it down at the feet of Jesus, and we get a chance to, to take on his joy. God, thank you so much that we get to, that we get to be like little children. God, little children are such a, such a gift that you've given us. God, to show us how to be humble, to show us how to, uh, just how to have just, just, just pure joy. God, we're so thankful for them. God, we're so thankful for you and the Father that you are to us. God, thank you for the examples of uh, men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God, who chose to stand up and who chose to, to honor you. God, that can be an example for us all on how to be a light in this world for Jesus. God, thank you so much for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.
In a little bit, we'll uh, take the Lord's Supper together. Uh, But really wanted to continue to think about what we can learn from uh, Daniel and his three friends. Uh, As you know, we've actually had a a series of messages that we've been doing uh, for the past few weeks. And it's, it's really talked about how we can really forge godly relationships and, and what does it take to have really strong godly relationships? And I thought, I thought the, the Ranger Rovers, uh, Ran- River Rovers, <laughs> I thought I'd say that fast. The River Rovers did a great job just helping bring out those friends standing together, you know what I mean? And, and, and the relationship that they had with one another uh, that really helped them withstand a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure to live in a way that's not godly, if you haven't noticed. And earlier in that story with Daniel, you know, it didn't start right there, did it? In fact, it started a lot sooner. And I think sometimes it's helpful to even remember the scenario and the situation of what was going on. Because the truth of the matter was, the Jews, they should not have even been there in the first place. God had... God had already rescued his people. (laughs) He had already given them incredible promises and told them that you will have this land and you will be blessed and I will take care of you. Just worship me. Follow what I'm telling you to do and you will be fine. And he said, you know, and God told them ahead of time, if you forsake me, if you decide to live like the culture, you're going to be in trouble. And I'm going to allow consequences, you're going to have to suffer the consequences if you don't follow me. And unfortunately, time after time, again, God's people refused to really worship him only. And God allowed, allowed the Babylonians to come in and literally rip them out of their land and take them to Babylon, right? And so that was the situation, really. Daniel and his friends found themselves. They, that's what they were in. They were feeling uh, defeated. I don't know if you've ever been on a losing sports team. It's not fun. Maybe you follow a losing sports team. <laughs> that ain't fun either. Where year after year, you get to watch all your other friends and their teams win and they're wearing their gear proudly and you're embarrassed to wear your favorite team's gear, right? Because you're just on a losing team and it doesn't feel good. Imagine being on a losing team and you have to go to practice and the coach is trying to tell you, hey, you need to work hard. You need to do this. What's, what can honestly be playing in your mind? Like, dude, what's the point, man? Why are, you, why are you wasting all your time telling me all this stuff? It ain't working. We're losing. I don't even want to be here. You can see how that could creep into a person's mindset. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Israelites, they were losing. They were supposed to follow this great God, but it wasn't turning out so well. They were in another foreign country. They were being forced to learn a new language, new customs. It was not a joyful time for those guys. 
In fact, I wouldn't have blamed them in a sense, right? If they would have said, what's the point in following God if this is where we're going to end up? And so I think sometimes it's helpful to remember the situation that those guys were in. They were on the losing team, so to speak, at that moment. And even before that moment with the fiery furnace, I think it's helpful to remember, even before that, there was another challenge that they had in a sense. If you remember, because the king chose Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He wanted them because, you know, they were fine specimens. The Bible says they were good-looking dudes. They were smart, came from a good line of, of people. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to grab the best and the brightest from Israel. And he wanted to just mold, mold them into new people, change their names. All their names meant something. Their names were given to them. They had great meaning to their faith. And their names were even changed. Daniel's name was changed to really reflect the god Bel, a totally different god. Their names were changed to be Babylonian names. We're going to change your name. We're going to change your food and everything. But Daniel and his friends, you know what the Bible says? Daniel said, I will not pollute or defile myself by eating this food. Now, you and I might go, what's the big deal, man? It's just food. It's just food. Don't worry about it. But Daniel refused to defile himself, and I believe inspired his friends to do the same. Because to them, it wasn't just about food. It wasn't, it wasn't just about food. And there were pretty, you know, God had given them some good dietary rules, and surely the food the Babylonians were offering wasn't going to meet all the standards that God had given them. And so they refused, just give us fruit and vegetables, and we'll be just fine. Everybody else can eat all the steaks and the lobster tails and all that, but we're going to just eat fruit and vegetables. What would you have done when you're seeing all these beautiful plates of food that everyone else was eating, and some of your own countrymen, some of your own Israelites probably eating some of that food, right? But I believe we got to remember that sometimes it's the smaller tests that are the most important. Sometimes we got to remember it's the, it's the small moments of compromise that lead to the bigger moments of compromise. Because sometimes we get it flipped. Sometimes we actually think, I'll compromise now, but when a big test comes, I'll really stand up for God. That's faulty thinking. It's those little moments of compromise that you think are little that you need to take a stand on because later the stakes might be a lot higher. And the stakes did get a lot higher and things got a lot hotter, right? The river, the river rovers told us that. It, did, it wasn't about just eating food. It was about you're, you might lose your life in this fiery furnace. And I'm encouraged when I read that story. I mean, if you, if you read that story, there's just some stories in the Bible you can read. I almost think if we meditated on, on these types of stories, like once a month, we'd do great spiritually. You know, if you read like David and Goliath, like once a month or something like that, and just like sit on it, meditate on it, I think you'll be inspired by what God can do. And you don't forget, but man, what happened in that fiery furnace? And let's read some of that because it's powerful. Nebuchadnezzar is not happy that these guys that he's invested in for all this time and taught them all these great things, right? He's upset that they won't do what he wants them to do. 
And he says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 15, Now when you hear the sound of all these instruments, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Remember that phrase. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And Nick and Liz reminded us of what they said. They said, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Tie them up so they're bound up and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, clothes they would never wear in Jerusalem. Put those clothes, bound them, threw them into the furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, the Bible says, fell into the blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, hey, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? Weren't there three? And they replied, absolutely, certainly, O king. He said, well, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and, and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And at the end he says, no other god can save in this way. What a powerful story of what God can do. You know, Nebuchadnezzar earlier, he said, you know, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? But we know who that God is. But I think the key is, 
We need to see ourselves just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If we don't see ourselves trying to be this world trying to mold us into its image, we're in trouble. Every day you wake up, everybody in this room, you hear my voice, you know what I'm saying. Are you going to be transformed into the, the pattern of this world? Or is that what's be conformed, excuse me, to the pattern of this world? Because every day it's out there. Every decision you make can lead you down another path. So what are you going to do? Are you going to take a stand like these guys? Or are you going to sit there and just allow all of these decisions to change you into what the world wants you to become? And I appreciate this story because the other thing I appreciate is sometimes we do find ourselves in that furnace. (laughs) Sometimes you follow God all the way to that furnace, don't you? Your convictions sometimes don't lead you to a place of joy and everyone just so happy with you. You're such a wonderful person. Sometimes we don't hear that all the time. Sometimes we do get into that furnace. But what do we need to remember? We need to remember that God's right there with us. He might lead us. Hey, he might allow us to go into it, but he's going to lead us through it as well. Amen. Four people in that. Who was it? Some say it was, it was Jesus. It was a Christophany. It was, it was, that was a pre-New Testament Jesus. Was it? Sure, it could have been. But what we do know is this. God sent him. <laughs> God rescued. And God can do it. And God can rescue us no matter what situation we're in. And we can be unscathed by this culture and by this world if we trust that God is the one that can save us. Only God can save us. And so when we take what we call the Lord's Supper, we need to remember Jesus. Because what God can save us from this crazy world? Only one. And he sent Jesus to be with us in the midst of this crazy world to allow us to get out. Even though we die, we still have eternal life. Because Jesus is walking with us and can take us out of this world and usher us into a new world. When we can come out and go, wait a minute, I'm still alive. And I still hold on to my faith. Let us be grateful that we serve a God who is able to save us from any disaster. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be reminded of your power We read about Daniel and his friends. We're inspired by their courage and by their convictions. We are inspired that they did not cower and they stood firm, even though it cost them their lives. And Father, we are grateful that Jesus did the same thing. He was willing to stand true to your decrees, even though it was at the cost of his life. But just like Daniel, And his friends, or at least his friends in that furnace, Father, we know that they didn't have to die in that moment. And Jesus, even though he died, he rose again. Because you are able to save, God. You are able to save us. Only you can save us from this fiery furnace of a world. And it's through your son, Jesus. And we remember him. We're grateful for his body that hung on that cross. We're grateful for all the blood that he shed, and we are grateful for his resurrection that shows us the way to be with you, where we will have no scars, no more tears, no more pain. Our hair won't be singed. There will be no smell of death on us, but we will stand with you eternally in victory, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.